Good morning, everyone. It's another beautiful day, Saturday, and I'm feeling a little better. Still got some sniffles, but it's I'm working through it. Voice feels okay for reading anyway. So it's nice to have you with us. We are moving on in the book of Kings. We're almost finished with 1 Kings. We'll be in 19 and 20 today in 1 Corinthians 7. So make sure you find your Bible and... Uh, don't be sleepy. You can open up your Bible and read along. It's always helpful. And we're going to look at this day in trivia for August 13th and see some of the interesting things that happened on this day. The, the Beatles, may lightning strike me. Um, unhappy with John Lennon's comments about saying the Beatles were more popular than Jesus back in 1966. Radio station KLUE in Longview, Texas. I went to school in Longview, Texas. This so the story's kind of close to home. Um, organizes a Beatles bonfire. The following day, the station was struck by lightning. Station manager was knocked unconscious and sent to the hospital, and the station had to temporarily shut down due to the damage of equipment. Is there any relationship to that? I don't think so. I don't think God would have done it. I don't know if the uh, powers of darkness have that kind of power to do it. If they did, I'm sure they might want to do that because the Beatles were used in a big way, not in the positive sense of um, of our nation and that music, be that as it may. Jefferson Airplane first debuted 1965, August 13th in San Francisco. And the Berlin Wall, East Germany, East German communists began building the wall through the city on this day in 1961 to prevent the flow of people seeking freedom to the West. The wall cut off West Berlin from virtually all of the surrounding East Germany and East Berlin until government officials opened it in 1989. Very sad thing. I was over in Germany when that wall was up back in the uh, early 80s before it was torn down. And it was just it was sad to see how it divided families and just the insanity of political powers and worldviews is pretty sad. Um, Ford hemp-powered soybean car, first <laughs> the world's first plastic car, 1941, was developed by the Ford Motor Company. Uh, had plastic panels and ran on hemp fuel. Boy, would they be touted today as environmentally friendly. Uh, they had a mix of all kinds of weird stuff, poly, poly um, phenolic resin and other soybean fibers and foam to make up the car along with soy, hemp, and wheat and flax. But the formula's been lost. <laughs> they never brought it to market. Modern coffee pot. Now, here's, a, here's an important one for us. 1889, on August 13th, Hanson Goodrich patents the modern stovetop coffee pot. It had a broad base for boiling and an upflow central tube and a perforated basket hanging on it. Goodrich design could transform any standard coffee pot into a stovetop percolator. Subsequent patents have, have added very little changes to this design. Yeah, they show the original design. It's almost exactly what it was back then in 1889. Spanish-American War, August 13, 1898. Fighting ends when the when the uh, when the Philippines surrender to Admiral George Dewey, and 
that is about it there. Let's see if we've got anything on the bad dad jokes. You know, the, the webpage has been opening slow, and I've not been able to even get to it. And it's not allowing me at the moment, so not going to worry about it. We are going to press on. So let's move over into the reading for this morning. Father, God, thank you for guiding us here, giving us this time together. May you, God, just uh, open up our minds as we look into your word, guide us and direct us. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, I think we are ready to go. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more so if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said, Arise, eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stone and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him, and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of the food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, to the mountain of God. Verse 9. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down the altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great strong wind was rending the mountain and breaking the pieces of rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Now, after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, the voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat and Abil Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about, the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu, shall put to death. The one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha, shall put to death. Yet 
I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him, threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. They said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following them, took a pair of oxen, sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, gave it to the people, and they ate. And when he arose, he followed Elijah and ministered to him. Chapter 20. Now Benadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army, and there was thirty-two kings with him, and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria, and fought against it. And he sent messengers to the city of Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Benadad, Your silver and your gold are mine, your most beautiful wives and children are also mine. The king replied, It is according to your word, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. Then the messengers returned to him and said, Thus says Benadad, Surely I sent to you, saying, You shall give me your silver and your gold and your wives and your children. But about this time tomorrow I will send my servants to you, and they will search your house and your houses of your servants, and whatever is desirable in your eyes they will take in their hand and carry away. Then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Please observe and see how this man is looking for trouble. For he sent to me for my wives and my children and my silver and my gold, and I did not refuse him. All the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. So he said to the messengers of Benadad, Tell my lord the king, All that you sent for to your servant at the first I will do, but this thing I cannot do. And the messengers departed and brought him word again. And Benadad sent to him and said, May the gods do so to me, and even more so, if the dust of Samaria will suffice for handfuls of all the people who follow me. Then the king of Israel replied, Tell him, Let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. Then Benadad heard this message, and as he was drinking with his kings in the temporary shelters, he said to his servants, Station yourselves. So they stationed themselves against the city. Now behold, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, and said, Thus says the Lord God, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver them into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ahab said, By whom? So he said, Thus says the Lord, By the young men of the rulers of the provinces. And he said, Who shall begin the battle? And he answered, You. And he mustered the young men of the rulers of the provinces, and there were 232. And after them, he mustered all the people, even all the sons of Israel, 7,000. They went out at noon, while Benadad was drinking himself drunk in the temporary shelters with 32 kings who helped him. The young men of the rulers and of the provinces went out first, and Benadad sent out, and they told him, saying, Men have come out from Samaria. Then he said, If they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them alive. So they went out 
from the city and the young men of the rulers of the provinces and the army which followed them. And they killed each of his men and the Arameans fled and Israel pursued them and Benadad king of Aram escaped on a horse with horsemen. The king of Israel went out and struck the horses and chariots and killed the Arameans with a great slaughter. Then the prophet came near to the king of Israel and said to him, Go, strengthen yourself, and observe, and see what you have to do. For at the turn of the year the king of Aram will come against you. Now the servants of the king of Aram said to him, Their gods are gods of the mountains. Therefore they are stronger than we. But rather let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they. Do this thing, remove the kings, each from his place, and muster an army like the army that you have lost horse for horse and chariot for chariot, then we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voice, and he did so. Verse 26. At the turn of the year, Benadad mustered the Arameans and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the sons of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went to meet them. And the sons of Israel camped before them like two little flocks of goats, but the Arameans filled the country. And the man of God came near and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord God, because the Arameans have said the Lord is a God of the mountains, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude in your hands, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So they camped one over against the other seven days. And on the seventh day, the battle was joined. The sons of Israel killed the Arameans, 100,000 foot soldiers in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek in the city. And the wall fell on 27,000 men who were left. And Benadad fled and came into the city and to the inner chamber. His servants said to him, Behold, now we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put sackcloth on our loins and our ropes on our heads and, and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will save your life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins, put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant, Benadad, says, Please let me live. And he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. Now the men took this as an omen, and quickly catching his word, said, Your brother, Benadad. Then he said, Go bring him. And Benadad came out to him, and he took him up into the chariot. Benadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father I will restore. And you shall make streets for yourself in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Ahab said, I will let you go with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and let him go. Now a certain man of the sons of the prophets said to another by the word of the Lord, Please strike me. But the man refused to strike him. Then he said to him, Because you have not listened to the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as you have departed from me, a lion will kill you. And as soon as he had departed from him, a lion found him and killed him. Then he found another man and said, Please strike me. And the man struck him, wounding him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king, by the way, disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. As the king passed by, he cried to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a man turned aside and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If 
for any reason he is missing, then your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy, here and there he was gone, and the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be, you yourself have decided it. Then he hastily took the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him, that he was the prophet. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have let go out of your hand the man whom I had devoted to destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life, and your people for his people. So the king of Israel went to his house, sullen and vexed, and came to Samaria. Don't mess with the prophets, and don't mess with the word of God. Ahab, not a good king. He keeps getting warning after warning after warning from God, and he gives all of these. God gives him an overwhelming amount of mercy because he just had all of his prophets of Baal wiped out, and God allows him to live. I mean, the people could have gone up and killed him if Elijah had told him to. He seems to have been vulnerable at that time. And then we see um, Jezebel. He tells Jezebel, and Jezebel wants to kill Elijah. And this is rather interesting that Elijah flees for his life. You would think that if Jezebel just heard that her gods were completely wiped, uh, completely defeated, both her gods, and at real fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering, and it was the God of Israel, and they were supposed to be Israelis, they were supposed to be worshiping that God, that God had manifested himself. You would think that she would be humbled and fall on her face and repent, but instead she gets mad and she wants to kill Elijah. Now, well, why did Elijah become fearful? This is always the big question. Um, it seems she must have had... She had a political power and a lot of soldiers to kill him, and that was probably the main fear, but you also wonder if she did not manifest some ability on the supernatural as well. I don't know, but, but there's absolutely no reason for him to be that way. This is a man just called down fire from heaven. And so he had apparently, you know, all the resources of heaven at his disposal, and he is still running from her. And what seems to be uh, the case because of how he sleeps under the tree and how he, he's, he's saying to God he's the only prophet left when he knows he had just been told by the other prophet that he had hidden various prophets in caves, that he was suffering from just burnout. He had been working so hard. He had been obviously um, praying and had, and had gone to great lengths to make this whole event happened with the prophets of Baal and uh, which lasted all day and then he prays for the rain to come and he's also run supernaturally fast for a long time and he's he's tired he's very very tired and so in this he is susceptible being drained physically to be oh, attacked spiritually and he's not thinking clearly because he should have been able to think hey Ahab Jezebel can't touch me God had just proven that, and God had just shown him, he had just called out rain from heaven, called out fire from heaven. You think about the superhero movies we watch. Um, this is a real-life superhero, only the power's not in him. He would never claim that. It was in Yahweh. He also ran super fast. Think about that. 
called down fire from heaven, was able to stop the rain, call back the rain, and also was like the flash and ran at an incredible speed to beat the king, to Jezreel. So he's manifested all these powers, and yet he falls victim to his, his own tiredness is most likely the case because when we're really tired, we don't think clearly. And God has to give him rest and give him food. And we see him have rest and food. And after he eats, then, he's, then he has, allows him to talk to God. God says, okay, now just wait here. Let me show you. I want you to wait here until you see me pass by until you get an understanding of this, uh, I who am talking to you. And, of course, all of these incredible powers pass before him, of which he was actually had somewhat uh, the ability to call down the fire or whatever, not the earthquakes or that kind of stuff, but there would be these overwhelming, um, uh, say, shall we say, dynamic manifestations of God. But God was not in it. What he needed at that moment was not the power of God as he had demonstrated on Mount Carmel. What he needed was the Holy Spirit of God, the the God himself of the universe to come in and reassure him and speak to him and so have that that fellowship with him because he obviously felt rather alone. He thought he was the last of the prophets. Again, because he was tired, was not, didn't remember or somehow... The other prophets were around, and so God speaks to him in that very soft voice in the gentle wind. He realizes, hey, God's good. He's here. And he was able to remind himself. He was able to get refreshment after he's got some sleep, some food, and he gets refreshment. And he goes, okay. And God says, look, you're not, the, you're not the only one left. I've got a bunch of other guys left. Now I want you to get back up and go anoint Elisha. You did a good job, and I want you to, I just want you to continue on, follow me, I'll be with you. And he got that reassurance that God was with him. We have the benefit uh, ourselves of having the Holy Spirit in us. They didn't have that, the Old Testament prophets. It would come upon them, and and what is not always guaranteed, it would stay with them. But he needed that sense, that understanding that God was with him. And he got that, and uh, then he was able to be strengthened and go back and minister and uh, continue on to do the things God wanted him to do. 1 Corinthians 7 now. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman her, her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise the wife to the husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the wife, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession and not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But to the married I give instruction, not I but the Lord, 
that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with them, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. The unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or the sister who is not under bondage in such case, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this matter, let him walk. And so I direct all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He has not become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman, while he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of man. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none. And those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of the world is passing away, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord how he might please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he might please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say to your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly towards a virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own life, 
own his own will and has decided that this uh, decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then, both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Paul believed very much in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that Jesus could come back at any time. And therefore, this often guided his comments about what he believed was better and best. He believed that undistracted devotion was the best, and that if God was coming, if Jesus was coming back soon in his lifetime, well, it'd be better just to stay unmarried and keep focused. Uh, it's interesting. It's still, in a sense, true. There is wisdom on both sides. He doesn't say marriage is wrong. In fact, he encourages it. He says only if you're gifted with singleness. So that's where we we get that teaching. And certain people are gifted with that. And certain people are not. I am not. And I'm very blessed to be married to a wonderful woman. And I couldn't be happier. And in fact... I think I would be a much weaker and less effective Christian without her. I don't think I could be serving the Lord uh, nearly as effectively without her. So there's people that have giftedness in their singleness and those that I think have a, I guess, a giftedness towards marriage. You know, look at Ananias and Sapphira. What a blessed couple they were and how God used them so mightily. uh, One complimenting the other. So, these are these are the, the issues of marriage, and of course the the important thing is that you don't try and think about the marriage the way the world does. The, the, the way the world thinks about marriage right now is uh, just go hook up with whoever you want to for however long you want, and when you don't like it anymore, just go dump them and kiss somebody else. And uh, marriage, don't really worry about the papers; it's just paperwork. It's just go live with them. All of this is wrong. We are not to do that. We are to be legally married, one man and one woman of the correct biological genders, and we are not to get divorced. And if we do get divorced, and there's no biblical grounds, biblically you have no recourse. You cannot get married again. You can only get your marriage back on track with the person you were married to originally. And this is the Bible. This is what the the Word says, and yet so many people are are disregarding it and saying, well, I just was unhappy with my wife. I just dumped her, and I'm going to go after somebody else. I don't care what the Bible says. And I've actually heard people say that. I don't care what the Bible says about marriage. This is what I'm going to do. Not a good idea, especially after you see the kind of things that happen in the Old Testament when you disregard God's word. It doesn't end up well. August 13th now, Charles Spurgeon, Before and During the Call is the, is the title. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65, 24. Quick work this. The Lord hears us before we call and often answers us in the same speedy manner. For seeing our needs and our prayers, he so arranges providence that before the need actually rises, he has supplied it before the trial assails us. He has armed us against it. This is the promptitude 
of omniscience. And we have often seen it exercised. Before we dreamed of the affliction which was coming, the strong consolation which was there to sustain us under it has arrived. What a prayer answering God we have. The second clause suggests the telephone. Though God be in heaven and we upon earth, yet he makes our words like his own word to travel very swiftly. When we pray aright, we speak into the ear of God. Our gracious mediator presents our petitions at once and the great father hears them and smiles upon them. Grand praying this. Who would not be much in prayer when he knows that he has the ear of the king of kings this day i will pray in faith not only believing that i shall be heard but that i am heard not only that i shall be answered but that i have the answer already holy spirit help me in this and certainly father we do pray you help us in this that we have your answer that you do hear us we rejoice in knowing that truth and that we can come before you and have the, the ear of our king. We are most blessed and, and thankful that we can come through our mediator, Jesus Christ, and bring our petitions before you. And we do pray, God, you would help each one of us to be surrendered to your lordship and to be listening to your words and to be um, following after your precepts, exactly as we see laid out in the Bible that we rejoice in the state that we're in, if we're having jobs and we're working, if we are employers, um, if we are in students in school, if we're single or if we're married, that we rejoice, God, in that which you have given us and we thank you for it, God. Thank you for blessing us with our lives. Thank you that you are God who loves us, is coming back, we thank you that, Father Paul, we can be like Paul and be used of you with the gifts and the giftedness that we have in whatever state that, that we are in. We are, Father, your freedmen and your slaves. We are bound to you, and yet we bound in nothing. We are boundless in joy. And we thank you, God, for the freedom we have being set free from the world. So, God, in these things, we look to you and we ask for, for prayer in prayer that you do set us free to be in service to you in all of the areas, God, which you want us to be. Those that desire to, to serve you more full-time, God, I pray that they have that opportunity. Those that want to be um, used in you in a, in a very deep and meaningful way and are looking for those kind of opportunities, God, just make those a reality to them and help those that need to be uh, getting their finances in order in order so they, they they can then be more free in their service of you. Thinking so many people down here in Vallarta have such an opportunity to reach out in, to the Mexican community, God. Those that are retired and those that have great businesses that allow them so much free time uh, if they're their own business, their own boss. So God, arrange our time. Help us, God. Bless us in our desires to uh, have effective family life and businesses, but also be available to serve you and to worship you and to be used of you for your kingdom. 
pray for Juan Carlos and um, his temperature that has come down. Pray God that he's feeling better now, that they've been able to bring that temperature down, the fever, and that he's now being able to uh, eat and drink and um, converse. Pray that he can speak correctly, that his mind is clear, continue to heal him. And our other brothers and sisters, God, which are ongoing in their treatments, pray for your touch upon them. Pray, God, that you continue to raise up workers. Thank you for everyone going on the evangelism team. What happened Thursday? I had some great reports of people they, they talked to. Father, we want to thank you for the the various uh, conversations that was uh, brought to my attention by Pablo, a young guy who was who's looking and hungry for the Lord, but not really sure if he's ready to follow the Lord. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd use those conversations to kind of convict him and uh, bring him into bring him into the, the, the fold, God. Pray for this man named Carlos, 17 years old, heard the gospel. He said he would think about it. So God, help him today to remember that conversation. Think about it. Um, Emeka. Honest working guy knows knows the gospel has not yet received Jesus. He is he wants to do that in a church, and he's about to be married. And he agrees with the gospel and the and the plan of salvation. So God, we pray you bring this this man to church, and you would help him to re- accept you this Sunday tomorrow. God, God, we just lift him up and we lift up his marriage, which is about to happen that day. He would not go into this. Uh, not saved, that he and, he and his fiance would both get saved. And Maria, who uh, also agrees that the gospel is true, but she's kind of caught up in her religion. Uh, she's never prayed to receive you, but she does agree that the Bible is true. So we pray for Maria, that she would then give her life completely over to you and receive you as Lord and Savior. So thank you for those beautiful opportunities that the evangelism team had, God, and ask that you would continue to use the the uh, little pamphlets, the little tracts that went out so people would read them as one gets saved. Thank you for what went on at the mission on, on Friday and Renee's teaching those kids the deeper things in your word. Continue to raise them up, God, and, and make them serious about their walk with you. Protect them from the evilness of the world. And for Luce as well, she's working up in Mascota. She continue to have follow-up with those kids up there. Bless her, God, and all that's going up in Mascota. So we thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that will do it. So we will see you tomorrow. If you want to read ahead, tomorrow will be 1 Kings 21 and 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Kings 21 and 1 Corinthians 8. All right? So we'll see you tomorrow morning as we're in the book of 1 John. Bye-bye.